Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Hi, everyone. Elaine and Diane here. And we know that you want your complex kids to grow up to be happy and independent. And yet you're not always sure how or when to help with that. In this podcast, we'll encourage you to collaborate with all kinds of complex kids and support them in navigating life and learning. And we'll interview leading experts from around the world, as well as parents in our own community, talking about how training for parents actually helps these complex kids. We'll talk about the issues we hear parents struggling with all the time and how a coach approach can support and empower your amazing young people. We won't tell you what to do. We're going to help you figure out how. So let's move on to the next conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. Uh, My guest is Susan Stiffelman, and we're going to be having a conversation about parenting. She is the author of Parenting Without Power Struggles, as well as many other resources. And I'm thrilled to have you. You know, one of the beautiful things about the work I get to do is sometimes I get to meet my sheroes. And Susan's book is one that I read when I was early in my parenting journey, or earlier, I should say. So um, it's a pleasure to have you. Thanks for being here. Happy, happy to be here. Thanks, Elaine. So tell us a little bit about the work that you do with families of complex kids, or you work generally with most kids, but when you talk about parenting with power struggles, you're probably talking about what we might call complex kids. So tell us about that work and how you came to be doing this work. Okay, I will. Yeah. And we do, in our community, we have lots of parents of Complex kids, I love the phrase, beautiful complex kids, amazing, fascinating. I was a teacher, and early on in my teaching career, I realized that kids learned in lots of different ways, and that when we used a cookie-cutter approach, we missed a lot of the children who were really bright and would otherwise have been very enthusiastic about whatever they were going to learn, except the material was being presented in a language they didn't speak sort of. And so I developed a company called Learning How to Learn. I actually (laughs) have little brochures still from that time. And it evolved so much that I I began seeing that a lot of kids had who had learning issues also had emotional or psychological ones. Mm -hmm. And then I found out, well, gosh, a lot of kids with some emotional challenges, it shows up academically. Mm Mm-hmm. And I ended up so deep in that that I went back to school and became a licensed psychotherapist (laughs) to sort of blend the two worlds of education and psychology. And over time started to do, you know, I was working with kids for whichever those presenting issues might be emotional or academic. Mm -hmm. And then I started to notice that I got much further in terms of progress when I worked with their parents and began doing workshops. And in the course of doing the workshops, people would say, please come home with me. And right. I thought, yes. okay, I'll, I'll put my ideas together in a book. And that was the first book I've written too. But the first book was Parenting Without Power Struggles. And it kind of around that time, I started to be the, the weekly writer for Huffington Post, first for AOL and then Huffington Post. And I was fielding a question every week of thousands right. that parents just needed help in all kinds of areas. So it kind of helped me craft a message that was universally applicable, but also really practical. Yes. And the book and the column and those things evolved. And then I wrote the second book with Eckhart Tolle's imprint called Parenting with Presence. Yeah. And it started to fold in more of my own 
uh, personal story, which is that I've been a meditator since I was 15 or 16 years old. And um, I do believe that as we're raising our children, we're healing ourselves, we're raising ourselves, we're growing up, we're retroactively resolving some of the stuff we went through. So it's sort of a big package that I kind of embody in my work, but it's beautiful work, as you said. And I look at the state of the world sometimes and I just, my heart can be heavy. And then I think, well, how can it be different? And it could be different if those of us raising children today raise them to be kind, compassionate, balanced, steady, healthy humans. So I carry on. I know you do too. And that's a big motivation. You know, so so many things are coming up for me as I'm hearing your story. And there's so many parallels to mine. You know, I was on my way back to graduate school when I discovered coaching because I too was going to go become a psychotherapist to support parents. And then I discovered coaching. And for me, that was my path. A lot of other things. But the biggest is, you know, I remember when I was 18, 19, 20 years old, and I wasn't going to bring kids into this crazy world we had. And at some point in my 20s, I realized that the most powerful way to change the world was to raise conscious, aware, compassionate children. Um, Yeah. And, you know, and you and I now both have young adults. Yeah. And we've done that. And yet the world continues to make it challenging. Yeah. For those shifts to happen. But they can. And, you know, we have enough success stories under our belts to know that a child who's hurting, when we see what's going on, when we address it in effective ways, then that child is not hurting so much or they're not hurting and they don't inflict that sort of express that frustration or anger or hurt in their immediate vicinity so much. Not to say that there aren't kids who really struggle, but overall, the idea is that parents sometimes get so understandably caught in, how can I just get him to do his homework or put his shoes on or that we forget the bigger picture is that you're actually not just raising children, you're raising adults. Adults. Yeah. You know, this is the day-to-day work. You know, we started this conversation before we get, before we hit record, we were both talking about kind of the heaviness of the world that we're recording in at the moment. So, you know, maybe let's talk about that. What do we want to say to parents who are raising kids who are struggling with the larger world, they're not only struggling with their own stuff, right? Their own complexities, but they're finding themselves in a world where um, maybe the <laughs> in the larger world have made decisions that are making it really hard for them to live in a healthy world. Yeah. I wish I could tell you, I, yeah. I wish I had a, a really great answer that made people feel better I'm a very optimistic person by nature, and I'm also fairly vigilant about what I take in. Yeah. Because there is, if you flip on the news or you even go to YouTube and you catch the news, like we know that the awfulness of the world is real. Yeah. It's the reality for the people living it. There's no question about it. But there's also good being done in the world, and there are counter forces to that, and they're not going to be as readily available. We're not going to be exposed as much to that. So I can only say for myself, because I'm um, such a sensitive human being, Mm -hmm. I know my limits, I know my capacity. So do my loved ones. So, you know, I expose myself to what's happening. I feel like I can't hide my head completely in the sand. But yeah, but I also know that 
if I'm freaked out, anxious, or if a parent listening to this is is watching 24, you know, cable news all day long, then the version of them who is showing up for their children is not is not the version that their children might need. Yeah. And sometimes we make the difficult decision to say, okay, I don't want to close my eyes altogether, but I need to also know that there are good people in the world doing amazingly wonderful things. And I need to make sure I'm getting a dose of that so that not only I'm not filled with sorrow and dread, but that I can show up with some optimism for my children. You know, I'm not a historian, but I do know that we have been through dark times before. And the people who continue to look for the light are the ones that I think lead the way toward the light in the end. And that's us. That has to be us. Yeah. I've often said, I don't think we could do the work that we do without being an optimist. Mm. I have to see the vision. I have to know that, that there's this possibility for change and improvement and growth. I was having a conversation with a group of parents in one of our parents of teen groups a couple of weeks ago, last week, maybe. And we were talking about part of the challenge that parents are facing is that even if the parent is, you know, putting themselves on a news diet and being more cautious and intentional about where they're getting their information, there's so much less control for how kids are getting their information, particularly teenagers in this conversation, because when we were kids, we got our news from the same place our parents did. And often they were sitting next to us. Now you have no idea what's, what's coming across their screen. Yeah. That's why, you know, one of the fundamental elements of my work is that I call it being the captain of the ship. And it's sort of a, a simple but very effective analogy that suggests that we can either be the captain of the ship for our children, where we're the one they can turn to, lean on, rely on, depend on, or we're the lawyers, where we're pushing against them, they're pushing against us, we're arguing, debating, justifying, negotiating. Or we can show up as a dictator where we're trying to control our children, overpower them, you know, threaten and bribe them to get them to do what we want. So if we're after being that, if the goal is to be that calm captain of the ship, part of what that relies upon is is really solid attachment, secure connection. Mm-hmm. And exactly. that's the cornerstone of my work, and I'm sure yeah. of yours, you know, that we cultivate with our children and our teens the feeling that we want them to have that they can turn to us, they can come to us, they can say, I'm freaked out. I saw this thing. I don't even know if it's real. Is it real? And that we, at least, we can't control what they're taking in, but we can make sure that they know whatever is distressing them, we're sturdy enough that they can come to us and and we can help them untangle it or just feel their fear and grief around it if it's not something that's fixable. It's, it's interesting like being an invitation. It is being the, that invitation, that presence. I was reading, there's a great magazine called New Scientist. And I was reading something about artificial intelligence and the concern that as it already is uh, promoting disinformation, like how do you know what's true and what's real? And our kids are being exposed to all this yeah. content because it, you know, it, sell, it keeps your eyeballs on the screen, which is the goal. That there's apparently in Finland... They have, um, from a young age, they start teaching kids uh, about, I can't remember the phrase of it. Sourcing? Yeah, like to actually be discriminating consumers. And so these kids start to grow up going, well, maybe this isn't actually even legitimate. You know, now we know AI can create photographs and news and and that the algorithm can 
creates so much content and then it looks for the one that's going viral and it pulls that one and it magnifies that one. But if yeah. we could help our kids understand it's a way to help them feel more empowered over the stuff coming across their phone. And then again, to, to be able to come to us and not say, just turn that thing off that, that we can be sturdy enough and present enough with them to say, thank you for, for letting me know what's worrying you. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about that a little more. Hi, it's Elaine. And if you like this podcast, you'll love our coach approach. Whether you're a parent looking for support or professional supporting families, we invite you to download a free guide with 12 key coaching tools at impactparents.com slash gift. You can begin using a coach approach to help kids become more independent or improve all of your conversations at work and at home. That's impactparents.com slash gift. Welcome back, everybody. My guest is Susan Stippelman, and we're talking about serious stuff today, right? We're really talking about cultivating an environment for our kids where we are their resource. We are their invitation to, to trust and connect so that we are in conversation with them as they process what's going on for them in the world, whatever that is. Any thoughts about how to speak to the parents and this happens, we, a lot of people who come to us when their parents, when their kids are teens, there's a fair amount of friction that they haven't, they haven't done that deep reconnection work yet. Mm. And a lot of, a lot of it is about going back to relationship and leaning in and reconnecting. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts for parents who do feel that disconnect and want to reconnect and feel like their kids are resisting? First, we do know that there are, for many teens, not all, but most teens will go through phases where the way they individuate is to push themselves from you. It's the shortcut. I love that idea that some people grow taller by cutting off the heads of others. So, wow. you know, this is, I often think of that when I think about individuation in adolescence, that the way we want them to individuate is to start to know their own heart, hearts and minds and and what they personally believe in, what is in integrity with the person they're becoming, you know, how they differentiate how they differentiate themselves even from their peers based on, you know, what resonates for them as true. But that's aspirational. And the reality is a lot of times the way they feel like they're becoming a separate person is just to be the opposite of you, to like the right. things you don't like, to, you know. So some of that is normal. And some of that we do want to maintain kind of an undercurrent of love and connection. And so I think with parents of teens, sometimes the mistake that they make is, hey, let's go to a movie. Hey, let's go out to that lake that we used to love. And, you know, and with teens, sometimes you think in, in bite size. Yes, we it's call the, it breadcrumbs. Yeah. yeah, it's three to five minutes, if that. It's a smile. It's tousling the top of their head. And that may be it. But enough of those do add up. It sounds like yeah. you have the same idea that they do add up to an actual substantial. I was working with a group of social and emotional learning educators in New Jersey a couple of weeks ago, and I was introducing this notion of breadcrumbs. And one of the counselors raised her hand and she said, oh, no, I've been giving them entire loaves of bread and they just need little breadcrumbs. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, And it comes from, you know, one of the things that's actually quite uncomfortable for kids, especially teens, is our neediness. Yes. So when that feeling of connection is pure, when it's coming from a place of, 
I enjoy you. I'm fascinated by you. I like you. I like hanging out with you versus I need to put some emotional positivity into our bank account because we've been very disconnected lately and I miss you and I love you so much. And why don't you ever want to sit and have to yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh my God, you know, that's just like kids are allergic to that. So, well, it, it becomes a kind of guilt, right? Exactly. And we need yeah. to make sure that we are in front of our children having a life, which especially if you have a complex kid, that's really can be hard. Like, yes. when am I supposed to have my life? What, like, I just started taking ukulele. Like, I just, <laughs> you can actually check out a ukulele from the library here. That's so great. My kids and gave me one a couple of years ago. It's so fun. And yeah. I started an art class. Well, these are things I've never done before. They don't actually take that much time. Yeah. Even if you just do them online and you, you set up a little thing and once every two weeks, you start painting with somebody on YouTube. So making sure that your teens see you having other interests besides hovering in the hopes yes. that they might look your way and spend three minutes with you is is another way. But, you know, sharing a joke, asking them to solve a riddle with you, showing them a funny cartoon, these are all little healthy, wonderful crumbs. Yeah. And they, they really do add up. They really do. I know. it's it, There's so many things that are coming up. But my I was just thinking my family group text thread is sometimes the funniest thing I ever oh. read. Because we just you know, when things are good, and it's not always, I mean, you know, but it can be one of the funniest things we have, wow. because we share ridiculous things. And there's a knowing of each other that comes out when you're sharing humor. And yeah, memes and that that's great. It's quite lovely. That's great. So let's, let's see, what other direction do you want to take this conversation? What are we not talking about that we should be talking about? I think, you know, one of the things that I'm always interested in is supporting the parent who is trying their best, you know, that we forget that that every parent is also a human being and they can be tired, frustrated, worried, cranky, overwhelmed, resentful, human. human. It's like, <laughs> yeah. the, you know, so especially when we have parents whose kids are not maybe as easy to raise, and I don't think there are too many easy children, but sometimes you roll the dice and, you know, you have this just mild-mannered cooperative, sure, I'd love to help you take out the trash. But in general, you know, we can easily get overloaded by the, the challenges that we face as we raise our kids, especially complex yeah. kids. So I'm a huge believer that we are not meant to do things alone. That's why you're in business. That's why my, I'm in business. That, and, and we didn't, many of us have a template for that, you know, that parenting was a thing you just did and your parents did it and your grandparents did it. You're so I know how. You're supposed to know how, you're supposed to not tell the truth to other people. So I really believe that whether I know that you have a program, I have coaching programs and ways that I support parents, but even if it's yeah. just your neighbor or somebody who is a safe person, that we have at least one person or more who we can tell the truth to about the times that we're struggling. Otherwise, it can easily get played out with our kids. And they're just sort of like, hey, I'm just being me. You know, I'm not having the easiest time navigating the world. And and so not only is it important in terms of how we can show up for our kids, but it's also just we deserve it. Parents mm -hmm. deserve to have a shoulder to cry on or somebody to go, can you believe this? Who isn't going to judge you or give you advice you don't want? Well, and I think the other thing that happens, I really appreciate you sharing that. The other thing that happens when you come into community with other parents, particularly when you have complex kids, is you begin to see 
that other people are experiencing what you're you're experiencing. So yeah. it reduces the isolation. And sometimes you begin to see that maybe other people aren't and that there is something else going on yeah. that needs exploration. And yeah. one of the things that I find that happens in my practice a lot is that parents will get enough knowing from, from working with me and or other parents that they'll be able to go back to their providers and say, I think we're missing something here. Nice. And they wouldn't have gotten that mm-hmm. in their own silo. Nice. Nice. Right. Yeah. I think part of the way the world is, you know, we talked earlier about the challenges of the world and the pain and the sadness and fear and all those things. I think that a huge part of the remedy is going to be more, more human connection, more vulnerability, more honesty, more help, just pure, please help. I need some help. Today is a hard day. I think the more we can do that, the more we can move forward together. Which, you know, I never really thought about it till you just said it, but that's really part of what's happened since the pandemic with crazes like TikTok is that you've got a lot of people coming out publicly saying, this is what I'm struggling with. This mm. is what my reality is. And other people are acknowledging it. And there's a, yeah. a real value. It's not about fixing it. Yeah. It's just about naming it. Yeah, yeah makes us feel less alone we are human we're connected we are inter you know we're meant to be now now of course you you know if we're on the spectrum if we are more avoidant in our attachment style that not everyone wants to be surrounded by others all the time they may not find their nourishment and sustenance that way it may be overwhelming but even then we all need somebody to you know to be a touchdown for us and there's no kind of that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you it's actually a sign of health yeah. Well, and, and the ability to ask for that help is, is yeah. a lot of what we're working with. So thank you. We're going to start wrapping up the conversation. It goes so fast, but I want to ask if you'll let people know how they can find out. More oh, about yes, you of your, course. Your support for parents. I do a, a bunch of things people might find interesting. I have a podcast, Parenting Without Power Circles. I have a newsletter and those are free resources for parents. Lots of great people on there and um, lots of great conversations or me just talking about a lot of different topics. And then I do a masterclass nearly every month. And those are classes with Dr. Dan Siegel, Dr. Mona Delahook. I've done them with Maggie Dent and Janet Lansbury. So many wonderful people on all topics from chores to anxiety to sensitive kids with Dr. Elaine Aaron. So if you go to SusanStiffelman.com, you'll see the whole library. And then I have a monthly support group where I meet twice a month with parents and just answer questions and do coaching. So these, this is a place for parents to come and get uh, help from a therapist without paying the cost of a therapist. There's right. even a, a, I meet once a month with parents with another therapist named uh, Wendy Beharry. Wendy wrote a book called Disarming the Narcissist, Surviving and Thriving with the Self-Absorbed. So we have a co-parenting with a narcissist group as well. So there's lots of resources at susanstiffelman.com. People can check Beautiful. it out. Thank you. Awesome. So as we wrap up this conversation, is there something we've talked about that you want to kind of hit and highlight again? Or is there something we haven't brought up that you want to bring in before we wrap? The only thing that kind of comes to mind is compassion. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've done a, a number of things with Kristen Neff, whose latest book is, is Fierce Self-Compassion. And I, I just inhaled the book. She was in my last I did a TechWise Parenting Summit, and I loved that conversation so much where we we need to have the kind of compassion for others and for ourselves. I think that that just caring about other people, which is so easy to do when you're a parent, throws things off balance. And only caring, of course, about yourself 
throws things off balance as well. But I, I think if I were to guess, I think more of us are at risk of not caring for ourselves with kindness and compassion. We're hard on ourselves. We don't give ourselves food, rest, water, time with adult, you know, other adults or time to read a book. And, and so self-compassion is, is just a, a, a huge underpinning of how we can find our way through difficult times or through easy times. It, it models for our children as well. This is what it is to be a healthy adult. It, it includes prioritizing yourself as well as others. You know, it's funny when you, I, I couldn't agree with you more. When we started Impact, and this is going back to 2011, one of the first things we started doing was publishing a coaching tip and a self-care tip every oh, week. Nice. And we shifted it because we found that parents were resisting it. Wow. And almost as if it's self-indulgent to talk about self-care. Now, I think now a dozen years later, self-care has a different tenor yeah. in the world. Wow. And there's more awareness of it. But there is this um, guilt or yeah. hesitation yeah. that yeah. parents happen. I, I should be focusing on them, not me. Exactly. And, and the opposite is actually true to some extent. Yeah. I mean, it's so cliche, but, you know, if, you're, if your cup is empty, you have nothing to give anyone else. And I think we pride ourselves on functioning without any food, without water, without sleep, without support. But depleting ourselves (laughs) and if only to not model that for your children i mean how do you think we internalized it it's because we probably saw that that was a something to aspire to you know this relentless push and part of the beauty of getting older is you have a perspective and you go well that's just crazy that's (laughs) just ridiculous like this is my life this is my life too i'm not just here as a sort of an autumn automaton, you know, raising these children, getting their shoes on, making sure they do their homework, feeding them. No, this is your life as well as theirs. And there should be at least some bright spots in the day. And if you're really tired or really not eating well, or your health isn't good, you know, make time for it. Yeah. Well, and and as you say, it's so important to model for them what what adulthood looks like in terms of taking care of yourself. You don't want to model for your kids that adulthood is martyrdom and sacrifice. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. So before we wrap a favorite last quote, all right. Favorite for us. Let me fun, fun fact, if you will, or fun motto. What's your favorite quote or motto? That you oh gosh. There's so many quotes off the top of my head. I love Maya Angelou so much. And she has this beautiful quote that has so many layers to it. When people show you who they are, believe them. Yes. And I can't think of how many times I have not believed what I knew to be true about someone and tried and tried and tried to get them to be different than they are. You know, I've done a lot of work with Byron Katie and this whole idea of loving what is. And there's a lot of freedom in accepting who people are. And then you get to decide, do do they belong in my outer circle, my inner circle, my life at all? And so um, there's a freedom in that when people show you who they are, believe them and um I don't know. That comes the, to mind. The corollary to that is know that you're a choice. Nice. You get to be a, you get to choose how and who you want to be in yeah. a relationship with. That's what yeah. I'm kind of hearing. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Susan, so much for being here. Our guest has been Susan Stiffelman. Before we wrap everybody, I want to acknowledge you for being here, for listening, for, for being the conscious parent that you are. Tell us, Tell us for a minute or stop for a minute and think for yourself. What are you taking away from this conversation that Susan and I had? 
had? What's the insight that you've got from today? What awareness or aha do you want to land with before you move forward into your week? And based on that, is there any action you want to commit to? Now, is there any way you want to take this and apply it? What's one thing you might apply it with in your week this week? And as always, thanks for what you're doing for yourself, for your kids. At the end of the day, you make an enormous difference. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash sanity school. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.